welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. So you like donuts, eh? Mm-hmm. Well, have all the donuts in the world! <laughs> More. I don't understand it. James Coco went mad in 15 minutes. Michael Preston. I like to think of that scene, like, you know, with Homer in the, in the um, Trios Horror episode where, you know, Ned Devil takes his soul, at least temporarily. Um, that would be me to be cleared with brisket. Or, like, pulled pork or something like that. Like, yeah, there's not enough in the world for you to feed into my gullet to be truly torturing me if I end up in the underworld. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm, also, I'm not a big Halloween guy, so I'm kind of glad it's over. I've, I'm not, like, you know, full Mr. Listen to christmas music on november 1st but also i'm kind of like i'm glad when halloween's over so we can get into the really good holidays at this time of year because again with the whole picking out thing it's a theme here welcome to the kook center hour we have a great football game to talk about we have a great guest to talk about as well head coach of the men's basketball team at washington state kyle smith gonna join us uh here in a bit it's not a live radio show we recorded it but he will be on uh we'll have that coming up for you in a little bit as well and then I, I want to, we shouldn't extendedly talk about this. We shouldn't talk about this in an extended fashion. But we are going to talk about what Jimmy Lake said earlier, earlier this week uh, prior to their matchup with the Oregon Ducks on Saturday. And then we'll end with our Dunderhead of the Week and ask Michael anything. Boy, that win had some serious freaking stones. It had big gritty see them from space maybe even the moon size stones and i'm not just talking about ron stone jr finally getting his defensive player of the week award he's richly deserved for quite a while now like i'm not just talking about he he has deserved that for a very long time and i have no freaking idea um why he hasn't before <clears throat> excuse me but 28 to nothing before arizona state can even put a point on the board Four turnovers in the first half. And these aren't, you know, like a, a few we saw earlier this year, which were a little fluky. Like those ones against Utah were a little fluky, right? Where, you know, it kind of just seemed like an, a hand getting to the ball at the exact right time. And it's like, well, okay, that's not really something you coach. These were all earned. All of them. Each one was earned. Both the fumbles, Chow Smith's way, the interception was fantastic. Jalen Watson's was as well. That defense came to play. And I think the one thing that I noticed, and and I, I mean, look, we, we can talk about that first half performance all we want, because it, it was complete performance. And in a place where Washington State ordinarily doesn't win, and it's not as if it's because, you know, ASU is this, like, juggernaut of a team, right? They, they always have good, decent to good teams, generally, but for whatever reason, Tempe, Arizona has always just been this place that the Cougs are not able to figure out how to win in, and, that, and I mean, it's not just Wazoo either, Washington can't win there either, so not only to see them win, but to see them win with ease, to cruise to victory when they are 16-point underdogs in Tempe, is that's a big gritty full of stones type of win that's the first time we've been able to say that this year and i'm so happy that we get to that was an absolutely thorough performance best win they've had since 2019 and it's not even close that was dominating in every single facet of the game they looked like the much better football team they looked better offensively, they looked better defensively, they looked better on special teams. They looked better in every single way it was possible to look better than a team that was clearly better than them. And a team who had a week off before playing them. And they were a team that was that had new coaches game planning for the first time, who had their head coach fired 12 days before. We've talked about before on this show how resilient these kids are, how resilient these student athletes are and that that game just goes to show it even more in spades just how good these kids are at staying focused 
playing for one another, and just going out there and absolutely balling. Jaden Delora got me pregnant with another throw. That touchdown pattern, I mean, look, Travell Harris's catch with one hand was great. And by the way, his, I don't know if it was a block or not, or if he was celebrating, or if it was both on Calvin Jackson's long touchdown pass, but him running through a couple of ASU defenders and basically just being something to get around while he had his hands in the air celebrating, either showing the refs he wasn't holding or what he was doing, but that was, Travell, if you're, if you're listening, buddy, that was, that, that tickled my heart. That was great. Um, And again, defensively, They played so, I mean, it was just absolutely thorough. Just absolutely choked what was a top 30 SP plus offense. And they couldn't do anything with the football. Even only registering four tackles for a loss. I mean, that's that's lower than what Washington State's used to doing. Um, And and, and they didn't need more than that. So, I I, I just, (laughs) it's a shocking performance. I mean, I mean truly, and I and I and I mean that in a in a in as good a way as I can, because I, like again, all the upheaval, all everything, and then you have to go down and play arguably the second best team you're going to see all year. <laughs> Whatever, man. I, I don't know. The I the thing I did want to point out, and we've talked about on this show before, how kind of unimportant. Time of possession can be. Mike Leach showed you that a lot in his time at Wazoo. You know, his teams would re- routinely be on the wrong end of a 60-40 ratio of time of possession, but they would win easily. That if you can score quickly and you pick up chunk plays, time of possession just doesn't really matter too much. There is one scenario in which it does matter an awful lot. Okay, It matters an awful lot when you are ahead 28-7 to and you need to slow the game down. All of a sudden, you need the game to get very, very boring and get boring quickly. You need this game to just be an absolute snooze fest for 30 minutes. That That is what Washington State needed in the second half, and that is what they got. They did better than Arizona State by 44 seconds in the third quarter, but in the fourth quarter, they outpossessed them 10 minutes and 14 seconds to 4 minutes and 46 seconds. That is what I mean. And even though ASU scored 14 points in that fourth quarter, that's what we talk about. That's what I mean when I'm saying that in this case, that is when it really, really mattered that this game get boring and it gets stupid and like nothing matter. Right? Like, so here's how the opening, the first five drives of the second half went. Punt, 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 punt. Interception. Field goal by Washington State. Punt. Field goal by Washington State. That is a boring football game. That is a really boring football game. That is a painfully boring football game. But when you can get to the point at 638 to go in the game that it is 34-7, that is the exact third quarter you want. You want it to grind. You want it to take forever. You don't want ASU doing anything. You want it being boring. Boring's great when you're up three touchdowns. If I could have taken a nap in the middle of it, I would have loved to have done that. That's what I mean is that boring is good in this case. We love boring in this case. It's superb. <laughs> Got a little vintage Max Borgie back in that one. That was great to see. Dion McIntosh, also lovely to see him back on the field. Another great performance from Jaden Delore. And I, I don't know how many times we have to say this, that it is. it has been a marvel literally watching him grow up before your eyes and it it just seems like every single game he figures out how to play a little bit better than he did before and again I'm having a hard time thinking of a guy who improved so quickly because Anthony Gordon was just kind of always who he was same with um same with Gardner Minshew same with Luke Falk it it it, it just the like the exponential curve on Jaden Delora has been incredible and I, I, we are three quarters of the way through this season, and it's hard to think of a season where more has gone on around this football team. 
Like, more crap has gone down around this football team. And they are positioned to make it to the postseason. To get those all-important practices after the season is over. They've got three games left. One against a very good Oregon team. One against a really, really bad Arizona team. And one against that other team who you really never want to have to play to get to bowl eligibility. That's why in 2019 it was so important to beat Oregon State. They are on the precipice of getting to six wins. And again, I'm not going to talk about the Utah State game. Okay. But from where things were after that game, after the USC game, hell, after the Utah game, to now, my God, it like we podcast, we are in the business of prediction, we are in the business of opinion giving and all that other stuff. It is on a yearly basis, this team is so dang hard to figure out. And I don't know why I ever doubt it, but every single time it just feels like they're cooked. Every single time it feels like it's you're ready to count them out. Not the right time to be doing that. Because then they go down to Tempe and they beat somebody by 13 points. And really they beat them by more than that because, okay, end of the fourth quarter, whatever ASU wants to do. Like, there's, there's six and a half minutes to go, and we're up by 20, by 20, what was that, 27? Yeah, we're up by four touchdowns. I think we're going to be fine. I think we're going to be okay. When was the last time you were that comfortable in the fourth quarter <laughs> against a Pac-12 team? When was the last time you were that comfy? I, I And again, in Tempe, against a very good Arizona State team. Man, I did not. I mean, whew. again, what was Arizona State doing with that week off, man? They had a week off before this. What the heck was going on? <laughs> then you came out and played that undisciplined. You didn't execute at all against a team that ostensibly is much worse than you. And and oh boy, I mean, good God. Did the NCAA finally like come through and give you some warning about what the penalties for the violations were going to be? Because, wow. I I mean, I, I'm still on cloud nine over it. It's, it's honestly one of the better wins you've seen in a very long time out of this program. And I, I don't think I operate in hyperbole all the time. Because that is who I am. But I, I really and truly do not think it is hyperbole to say this is this program's best win. I mean, it's their best win all year, for sure. Um, and I you know, I think even going back to 2018, probably you'd have to go all the way back to there to find a better win than this one. But it would also be difficult to find one in which they were obviously not the favorite and so thoroughly dominated the other team. In fact, I, I don't think you would find one that year. So this is this is a bit of a unicorn in that way. This is a bit of a unique circumstance. So um, they get a very much needed week off. They had a really late bye this year after week nine. That is super late. I think they were the last team in the conference to have a bye. Um, so they get a very well-deserved week off this week. They get to kick back, play some... And new Call of Duty comes out Friday. You think those guys aren't excited to not, to not have to do any game prep and just play Call of Duty on Friday? I mean, they're college students in Pullman, so there will be other stuff to do. But new Call of Duty comes out Friday, so I'm just... Not that no college student doesn't ever deserve it, but man, did they earn it. Goodness me. Okay. We will have a show next week to talk about uh, the Oregon game, because obviously that's a big one. Um, we're going to turn our attention to, and by the way, like it, this sneaks up on me every year is that basketball season starts next Tuesday. <laughs> like it starts on Tuesday and the game's at noon on a weekday. It's part of the Pac-12 tip-off thingy, Bob. We're one of only like four games on the Pac-12 network, so I guess that's cool. Um, but noon tip-off on a Tuesday is a little weird. I think the student section might be a touch sparse, maybe. Um... But this is a year for expectations with this basketball team. That's something we haven't been able to say for quite a while since a guy named Ken Bone was in charge of them. You have 
a depth of talent on this team that is unlike we've seen in a long time. Bryce Hendricks wrote a really great piece on that on the website. I really encourage you to go read that if you haven't done it already. He did a great job with it. Um, and Kyle Smith has this team absolutely loaded up with players who can score, players who can defend and do all kinds of stuff. Um, and as you'll find out, it's like it's hard to find minutes for these guys. And like some guys are going to get left out. But it's weird because... Like, you don't ever want to have the problem where you're disappointing a player because he's not getting minutes, but it's a really wonderful problem to have if you're a coach. It's better than the other problem, right? It's better than the alternative of wondering who the heck is going to get out there and actually play well for you of those Ernie Kent years <laughs> where you're like, uh, after Robert Franks, I don't know. This team could really go places. And I don't think it is a stretch to say they are an NCAA tournament fringe team. So, yeah. Watch them a lot early in this season. They get a couple of Pac-12 games in December as well. I'll be at the December 4th game if you needed any incentive to not go because that probably because <laughs> you did not want to go. Um, but this is going to be a fun basketball team. It's going to be a very fun basketball team. They're still young, too. I mean, that's the wild thing. They're still very, very young. And I'm going to be interested to see what an offseason in Kyle Smith's weight room and his gym, whatever, did for them. So take a quick break. When we come back, Kyle Smith, the head coach of the men's basketball team at Wazoo, going to sit down with us here on the Kook Center Hour. We're back here on the Kook Center Hour. Uh, honored to have Coach Kyle Smith, head coach of the Washington State Cougars men's basketball team, on with us and uh, coach uh, beyond our discussion before we were on air here about ice scraping it's just so wonderful to have you on because as now I understand uh, your winters in Pullman have been okay and and uh, the ice scraping is just that's I think we agreed that's that's the worst part about winter driving right oh it's just the, only, the bad thing about winter is having a car and getting around I, otherwise I have no problem I, I'll tell you about it a, a Texas summer. I don't. I don't appreciate those. Those are <laughs> no. Those are too hot for me. Those are too hot for me. I'll take a little cold. I don't mind. I, I I've always said I can always put on more layers in the winter, but I can only take off so many clothes um, in the summer. Amen. So, um, you this off season signed a contract extension to stay in Pullman through 2026, 2027. I think we were all thrilled to see that. What kind of led you down the path to saying yes? This is something I want to do. I want to be in Pullman um, through at least 2026, 2027. When Pat Chun either approached you with that, you approached him, whatever it was. But what led you kind of down that path to do that? Uh Oh, it's it's been that way since the day I said got here. To be honest, it's funny because I never and I've, obviously I've left jobs before, but mm -hmm. I always really believe you got to grow where you're planted. And I had a high school coach that was my big influence who was at one school for 30 years. Then I went and played in college. My college coach is one school for 30 years. So I've kind of always approached that, trying to build a program and something, and and been a part of one. St. Mary's would be as an assistant. You know, Randy Benson there for 20 years, and that's kind of what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And since my wife's from up here and, uh, you know, in the state and getting her closer to home, and she's not letting me go anywhere. So might as well. <laughs> I wouldn't need any weight. So just just investing in it's a place where you can build a program. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's where, you know, New York City, to be honest, that was a trick. That's tricky. It's tricky to do when I was there mm -hmm. in San Francisco. Not hard to hard to get your roots set. In those places are so expensive and not really college friendly in sense that we're this is the ultimate college town. Mm -hmm. So kind of just excited to be a part of it. Except for the ice scraping, that's that's the only that's the only drawback. Yeah, yeah. minor. I know. Minor. Yeah, minor, minor, try, minor. Try, yes. try a forty-five minute uh, commute. Some place, one of those jobs, one of those cities that I'll trade the ice scraping is very minor. I was about, yeah, I was about to say the five minute drive into, into the pebs, probably not too much uh, to complain about, obviously. Um, last season was a weird one to say the least, just from the standpoint of a few games postponed. And I mean, it, you had ASU on the schedule three games in a row. What the last one was postponed, but it would have been three games in a row at the end of the year. Colorado gets postponed. I think another non conference game gets postponed. No crowd either. What was like the most unique challenge you can think of going through a COVID season like that? Because I, you know, I have to imagine it would be unique to a lot of teams what their biggest challenge was, but what was it for you guys in Pullman? You know, the, the trickiest part was just, like I said, this is constant uneasiness of whether you're going to have games and 
false positives and the daily testing and just kind of on edge the whole time. And we had, like everyone else, we were actually, some people got shut down and were able to regroup and, you know, some guys came back better, some worse. We never really did. We, we just had a, a few, and we had a few health scare where we had like nine guys, nine scholarship players, eight scholarship players against Arizona at home where it's like, this is tough. <laughs> this is tough. <laughs> we didn't like. We didn't have. We only had like two posts going in the Arizona game at home, and if we if we could have got one more day, Volvo would have been available. Mm-hmm. And it's like things like that. It's just it was almost like NBA coaching. Best to say, like you, you you had a different lineup, you had different matchups, and some of it was it was out of your control a little bit. So you had to be pretty flexible. So hopefully we'll have more stability there and stay healthy and. Um, I think to get consistently good, you got to have you know seven, eight guys you can count on every night. Yeah, you told uh, Sports Illustrated an article came out in August, kind of just going over your guys' program. And I think you know what struck me the most was obviously the the Moneyball approach to recruiting because I I think for most fans that's what they saw work last time this team was really successful is looking for those guys who not everybody is looking for. But how do you square that with you? <laughs> I believe the quote was, you're in the middle of Wheatfield's bro. So how do you get guys who, you know, no matter how diamond in the rough they are, I mean, you're still winning recruiting yeah. battles like with Muhammad Gay, you know, with the Kansas yeah. and UCLA's of the world. How do you square that with you're in the middle of Wheatfield's bro? Uh, guys are really committed to basketball. Mm-hmm. They don't care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they just want there an opportunity. Let me be honest, they, they – like I said, it's a great college environment. You can build culture here. Everyone is, I think everyone gets behind you as far as your kids on campus, people in town. It's all we got. So I say that tongue in cheek because people will, you know, people want to negative recruit against us. They're so isolated. This and that. I said, what are they selling? They're selling the city. What are you, you going to go to Broadway shows? What? <laughs> Whatever. You're here to play basketball or, or uh, you know, you could build and have college experience. And we talked about, in the process, say, look, we're going to not pleasure your time. We're not afraid of it. And we're going to use it. You're going to be – there's your priorities, faith, family, team, and academics. And team, mm-hmm. there's a lot of responsibilities. And your academics are a lot of responsibilities. It's something we learn. So we really believe in the, the college, old-school student-athlete, the college experience. Um, and even though we're getting the, towards professionalized – I wouldn't say it's professional yet. Mm-hmm. Still, think, still believe in the this eighteen to twenty-two year olds. This is kind of going from adolescence to young adulthood, and that's kind of what I know. Build their character that. And so I say, like, hey, it doesn't matter where you are. This is this is this is the value. Opportunity to play at the highest level and improve and grow as a person. Mm-hmm. So um, I can't change where it's located. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> so it's like. It's fine. So it's 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 unique, and we get guys that a big part of the thing is get guys that we say it. This is probably most important. The guys that really want to be here. Yeah, I don't want it, anyone that shows up like, oh, I wish I'd have gone to get out of here, get out of here. We need we don't need that attitude. We don't we need guys. Hey, man, that's a great just appreciate. Yeah, you know, just the attitude of gratitude, and, and uh, we've been lucky that way. I think to be fair, anybody who shows up in Pullman says I'd rather gone to UW. I don't think anybody really wants anything to do with um, no, over exactly. there. To be it's com- an easy, to be easy fair. way to eliminate them. Yeah, easy exactly. Exactly. There just... you go. Um, I know college students. You know, I we both were one once. I was one, and I, I looked ahead all the time. And you've got a team who Joe Lenardi says is the first four out of the NCAA tournament. So there's obviously those aspirations coming into this year something that this team, frankly, hasn't really had for a very long time. How do you keep your players focused kind of, you know, game to game with that? Because I know I, and I'm I'm, I'm not a high-level athlete, first of all, but I would be distracted by it. How do you keep them kind of focused on not that? You know, we, we give them so much feedback day to day, and it's constant the measuring your improvement, know that nothing – any kind of a growth doesn't go in a straight line up. You know, there's going to be setbacks, and it's about how you handle things. And this is the lesson in handling success, even though un, none, I should say, potential success is the worst. Mm-hmm. It's like there's one It's hard to handle success, sometimes harder than adversity, because adversity is right in the stairs, you're right in the face. You know, you gotta, you got to survive it. But sometimes success fattens you up, and you get complacent. That's human nature. But potential success is even more evil. You haven't earned anything yet, so mm-hmm. it's it's you're, you're battling the it's thousands of years of human nature and do that. So we got to constantly talk about it, work hard, and, and uh, reflect. Look at ourselves in the mirror. Um, we had a scrimmage the other day, and it was 
we've humbled we're humbled a bit mm-hmm. and you know a little bit there's a little bit of a tar people are talking about us and that's part of being good is is flipping the script where you're not the underdog forever uh you don't want to be you want to have that mentality but also want to be able to play with the pressure of being yeah uh you know considered to be a favorite that's nice <laughs> uh, yeah nice you... i like that yes I, I like that very much yeah trust that that's it's very fun i i enjoy doing that um yeah I think Noah Williams should have been the most improved player in the Pac-12 last year. He should have been given that. He was not, I, th- I, I think, robbed of it, frankly, but that that's just me speaking. What kind of led him to that development through the season? Because I think that was the most, one of the more thrilling things for me last year was watching Noah Williams kind of go into that role of a scoring threat, and he's so good on defense that he, he kind of became more of an all-around player last year. What was the biggest thing for him that led to that development? You know, I was even a little surprised just his, like, I think it had a lot to do with, A, being a part of the program the second year, mm-hmm. and his first time really being a year-round basketball player, and he played football, so that'll take four or five months out of your basketball schedule in the past, so I think that had a lot to do with it, and we give him a lot of, he, he's a growth mindset kind of guy, so we give him a lot of feedback on his shooting, and how his practice performance, and mm-hmm. he embraces it. Um and so he, and he was thrust in a position where uh, we needed uh, someone else to step up there, and he he's not afraid of the moment. I think anyone to see him play know that he does have a, a fearlessness to him, and he's very courageous. So, and that's you know, get those game minutes. He had played about 21 minutes as a freshman. He bumped it up to close to 30 as a sophomore. And he's really productive and shot the ball really well for us. And um, he just kind of fed off his own success. He he did a pretty good job handling success there as a young guy. I appreciate the use of the word fearless there, by the way, for a guy who likes to uh, to talk a little bit. But I, I think we all we all like that an awful lot. Um, you got, I, I think, you know, a, a really talented roster put together. You, I believe it was six guys came in in this recruiting class, a few transfers. You've obviously got the talent that was there last year. This is a nice problem to have, right? Like, you've got a lot of talent everywhere. The only problem that crops up from that is how do you find time for all of these guys? So... How do you find time for everybody who has earned it on this roster? Uh, you know, you don't. That's yeah. your, that's the harsh reality of it. Is that there's going to be some guys that aren't going to be playing as much as they'd like, and we try to do it in the. We try to go, but in the fairest way possible, we try to go who produces in practice, gets the first opportunity, and then you got to produce in a game and trying to educate them. Sometimes, necessarily, the best five talents don't necessarily make the best team all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's. Yeah, that's hard to understand. You're 18, 19, and you've been the best player wherever you've been before, and dealing with that. But that's part of life too, is uh, dealing with some disappointment. Um, I want them all to think they should play or have an opportunity to play. You don't want any guys that don't think they're good. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that you know, hey, one through eight probably gonna play the majority of the minutes. But that doesn't mean that's locked in stone forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're the tenth man and you start playing better and you get in that starting lineup, well. I mean, someone at Willow's top eight or nine dropped to 10 and you want them to be rooting for you. So that's the hard part of just getting them. Hey, man, we're pulling for each other and we got to let it all shake out. And I think that's part of our success or our culture is like, hey, we're all laying on the line every day in practice. However, the numbers shake out. We got to respect that. Yeah. And we're very clear with that. And that that's that's somewhat of a I, I don't mind sharing it. I think it's some of our secret sauce. It's just that transparency is hard to live up to because you have to sit some guys that to save face your program. Sometimes some guys have earned things and it gets tricky. It gets dicey. We all have our biases and mm-hmm. that, and, and then by the end of the line, you're going to have to produce on the court. Yeah. And uh, we're trying to get there, but you're right. Some, some guys aren't going to be playing as much as I'd like. And um, my goal is to make sure we, we stay a team. It's not often you get a guy to announce a transfer and then come back like Andre Yakimovsky did. Like I that that I mean it's I, I'm so thrilled he's back because I want to ask like how big of a boon was that because it I I can only think of one time I've ever seen that happen and my memory's not exactly a steel trap but it was this time it was this time that it happened. <laughs> I, I had one other scenario that was kind of the same. Yeah, and it ended up with it was Frankie Ferrari when I showed up in San Francisco he had left the program before it was sitting out at a junior college driving an Uber. <laughs> and I brought him back, and that was a little controversial. Like, because you need to let you know with people around. And I was like, you know what? Just when you need a point guard, you end up having two all league seasons. So mm-hmm. I hope there's a similar 
And but Andre's a guy that uh, you know just he wanted to make sure he had a bigger role. Um, actually, he had a great idea. I, I just was concerned that he wasn't going to play enough. And um, he's an awesome attitude. And we had guy leave late, Kamekin. I think no mm-hmm. secret there. And then, who I, you know, really we thought would have played just fit with our team, and it would have been tougher. And when he left, I said. Andre hadn't quite done it. It's like, hey, this is still opportunity here, and you know how we do it. You can earn it, and love to have you back. And he was, uh, it wasn't easy for him, but he's he's great, grateful for. He's he never really his heart was here, so um, we're happy to have him back, and he's been doing great. You got, I, I think, a more challenging kind of non-conference schedule than a lot of fans are used to, at least in recent years. You years, you've got some top 100 Kempom teams on there: UC Santa Barbara, Boise State, South Dakota State. I mean, they're not, you know, not names normally folks associate with. That's a top 100 Kempom team. But what was the philosophy kind of behind putting this non-conference schedule together? Was it we need to face some challenging teams to iron stuff out, or was it we just want that challenge before Pac-12 play? Uh, a little bit of both, I think. You know, where there's a formula that uh, we have to follow, and it's a little bit out of our hands. The conference office has a hand in. Uh, you have to your Ken Palm or your what is the new one? The net, their net rankings mm-hmm. overall has to be in the ballpark, and I really don't do much of it. And, <laughs> and, and moving forward, and moving forward, we'll probably there'll be some opportunities with the the Big Ten and ACC alliance and the non-conference, and and our deals that it gives us a little more of an opportunity to. I think if we are going to be a post postseason team, and obviously we want to play in the NCAA tournament, you, you're going to have to do well in the non-conference and mm-hmm. having some teams like that. So, you know, I got John Andrzejczyk on staff and Jim Shaw, and that they're they're math oriented. They could they could probably cut with our our non-league games. They probably tell you what we need to do <laughs> to yeah. put ourselves in, in a good shape. You know, just the the math of it. I just always say, look, there's 20 high major games. <laughs> And they're coming. There's twenty. There's twenty Pac-12 games. So I'm ready. It's all about preparation for that, and uh, and again, that's kind of fun. This league is fun to play in and compete in every day. So I know if we do well in that, gives us a great opportunity too. Good. I I want to leave you with this, and, it, and this is going to be my toughest question. But um, sure. I believe it was against Arizona State last year. You had an open water bottle, and <laughs> the referees had upset you. And I think correctly, they were not great. Um, recapping the water bottle before it leaves your hand this year right i think that that would be a good a good thing i yeah. I, I am doing my best i'm gonna blame it on covid i'm using COVID <laughs> as an excuse i was just frazzled i would do my best to improve. i had more technicals i probably had my previous whatever 10 years coaching uh and it was i'm just gonna say it was that and that, i was so bummed on that one because i apologized to my team because i was like we still had an opportunity to send it to overtime. They missed some free throws. And I remember just kind of throwing, I said that thing on and Bobby Hurley's going nuts. And like, and I was in the fit. Greg Nixon's like, I got to call it. I said, I said, no, you don't. <laughs> I said, yeah, there's no, you don't have to, we can play dumb here. And he said, no, I got to call it. I said, I, I had no, I had no defense. I had no defense. So uh, I was a little bummed, but really disappointed myself. And uh, hopefully we can, we'll clean that up this year. No excuses. I, I look, I know, I, th- I think COVID stress is perfectly fine. I've been blaming everything I've been screwing up on on that the last 18 months. There so I think, that's, I think that's there perfectly fine. Follow my lead. Exactly. <laughs> Head coach of the Washington State University men's basketball team, Kyle Smith, thank you for joining us, sir. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Our thanks again to Kyle Smith for volunteering his time to come on our little podcast. Coaches are always busy. Literally always busy, but especially this time of year. So, again, a big thank you to him. Um, Washington State plays Oregon next week, and Oregon gets the honor, if you want to call it that, of playing both of their Washington rivals in back-to-back weeks. The newly minted number four Oregon Ducks in the college football playoff ranking. Um, The week of the Washington game is always an interesting one for me because it's it's an opportunity to realize again that that UW fans don't know that they are Wazoo to Oregon. So, like, if... We are who we are to UW fans. Like, it's the same thing for Oregon fans. Like, when you've beaten a team 12 of the last 14 times, like, Husky fans love to flex about that, guys, right? Like, they, they love to flex about that. Oregon's done the same thing to them. And they, they're like, no, that's our rival. That's our rival. Oh, wow. Yeah, we totally don't say the same thing about you. So, yeah, it makes us very different. Um, I just, look, look, I just, I'm just pointing it out. 
Okay? As long as we can all agree that it's the same kind of relationship. It's like that, like, it's kind of like that SAT question. Oregon is to Washington as Washington State is to Washington. Or Washington is to Oregon as Washington State is to Washington. There you go. I finally got it right. Um, but you may have noticed Jimmy Lake has not been doing an excellent job. Needed to score at the last minute to beat Stanford. They had to, like, come from behind against Arizona. There's a lot of talent on that roster, ostensibly, and he is not recruiting well. They are not coaching well. He hired a really bad offensive coordinator. Um, yeah, so <laughs> he also has a problem, apparently, with being a head coach um, in terms of stepping in it at times, and the cover he got as a defensive coordinator with having Chris Peterson uh, as your head coach um, was good for him because he was always super angry and like happy after every Apple Cup, which is like, okay, good for you, dude, whatever. But um, there was that filter there, so you could let the other guy say what you wanted to say, but Chris Peterson was really good at like filtering it, you know what I mean? So like it would sound like better. Um, so <laughs> um, somebody asked Jimmy Lake on Monday if Oregon was a recruiting rival. Now, keep in mind, I mean, we don't talk about recruiting much, if at all, on this show. Um, but Oregon has been really just beating the crap out of Washington on the recruiting trail um, for a while. I mean, it, it, it goes back a little bit to um, to Peterson's day, a, a little. But Mario Cristobal's really been running it up on him. Is Oregon a recruiting rival? From Jimmy Lake, quote, that is way more pumped up than it is. Our battles are really the schools that we go against have academic prowess, like the University of Washington, Notre Dame, Stanford, and USC. We go with a lot of battles toe-to-toe all the way to the end with those schools. So I think that's made up and pumped up in the sick, the media's world. In our world, we battle more academically prowess teams. <laughs> God, Jimmy. Oh, honey, 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 honey. First of all, I believe it was Jamie Vinnick who pointed out on Twitter, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here because um, I don't have it up in front of me. I never have it up in front of me on this show. But basically, um, Washington is not battling Notre Dame, Stanford, or USC for recruits. And when they are, they are losing badly. Um... That's Jimmy's attempt at a pot shot at Oregon's academics, which, again, just fits the profile of Washington fans so deliciously. Like, it's just to a freaking T that, like, yep, I would hear that from the most hoity-toity of Washington fans. I got an email from somebody uh, about, like, oh, the Wazoo coaches must be imitating... uh, you dumb uh, coaches, because their ha- their hats have W's and the logo's the same. Not the same logo. Been using that since the 1910s. Thanks, though. Baseball team uses it all the time. Um, I, I <laughs> Jimmy's trying to talk about his recruiting with those other schools. They don't compete with those other schools on the recruiting trail. They don't even compete with Stanford or Notre Dame or SC academically, really. And I really don't want to hear about Stanford, the school with a $52 billion endowment. And it being, you know, Stanford. Okay, I don't want to hear about that. But in our world, we battle more academically prowess teams. Teams with academic prowess would be a better way to put that. But just the the hilarity of saying, in our world, we battle more academically prowess teams. I mean, like, <laughs> buddy, does it make you better? Does it make you better that you go after the smart kids? Like, I know UW doesn't have like this insane admission requirement for their athletes. Okay, Stanford actually still does. Those kids have to meet those admissions requirements. Yeah, they'll bend the rules a little bit. But I can assure you, whatever admissions requirements they have for athletes at Stanford is still more stringent than the ones at the University of Washington. (laughs) And not that it matters, because like most coaches, you're pushing these kids into majors that are easy and won't conflict with your practice schedule. Oh, my God. I I, like It's just... You you it you show your rear end so easily, 
when you've had the cover of another guy who's more polished and better at this than you for so long, like Jimmy Lake had with Chris Peterson. Do you think Chris Peterson ever would have said anything like that? I mean, A, ever. Do you think he ever would have said anything like that? But B, especially, especially the week you are playing the team you are talking about. You literally just give them something to print out and throw up on the bulletin board. And then on Saturday, when they enter Husky Stadium, they are just going to hit you in the mouth and they are not going to stop until that scoreboard says quad zeros and fourth in the quarter column. Why would you do that? You know you are struggling. You escaped against Arizona and Stanford, and those are not things you want to hear in the Pac-12 this year. (laughs) The man just walking through a pasture doesn't bother to look where he's stepping, and he just goes ankle deep into a pile of cow dung. Oh my god, man. He he was so easy to dislike when he was the defensive coordinator. So, 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 so easy to dislike. But it, it, it's even easier now. And the man is, he is not well favored by Washington fans. I want to point this out. And like for a rare, like on a rare occasion, like Washington fans think so much of that program, so much they shouldn't think of that program. But they're actually probably right about this. They're actually probably right about his ineptitude. This team should be much better with the talent they have available on it. He should be recruiting a lot better than he is. And he's not. He's getting his rear end soundly and roundly kicked. But, you know, bring up that you like to compete against better academic schools that are still, still dragging you up and down the street by your ear on the recruiting trail. What good does it also? What good does it do to go right to the end with them if you still don't get the kids? Like I, I don't know. Well, you know we're in their top five. Okay, cool. Washington State's been in a lot of top fives. <laughs> oh, Jimmy. Oregon's gonna hang like fifty on them on Saturday. Like, like I, I don't know, man. It is, it is, it is a rivalry game, and it's, it's been much closer over the last few years um, than any iteration previously. Uh, but good God, what are you thinking, bud? Man. Speaking of what are you thinking, Dunderhead of the Week, Ask Michael Anything, coming up next. Dunderhead of the week time. And if you've been online at all this week, this should not surprise you. Um, at all. Like, it, it just, there is no way at all that what I am about to say, name the person of my Dunderhead of the week, uh, who it is. Um, I... Jeff Banks has been on some short lists. He's the special teams coach at Texas to be the head coach at Washington State. He's a Wazoo alum. Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> um, on Sunday in Austin, uh, the monkey 
that his girlfriend, who is a stripper by the name of Pole Assassin owns and is part of her act which has been on the Jerry Springer show, bit a trick-or-treater. <laughs> I can't say all of that again, but it's just... I can't... I can't... <laughs> <laughs> it makes me so happy. <laughs> I hope the kid's okay. I hope the kid's okay. Um, but the dunderhead of the week, I, I, like, I, I'm such a hard time because somebody asked me on Twitter was, "Well, we need to know if the kid didn't provoke the monkey." <laughs> what did he say to the monkey? <laughs> Oh my god, man. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go with Jeff Banks. Just for having a girlfriend who's... <laughs> whose exotic dancer nickname is Pole Assassin. Which is so descriptive. It's so descriptive. It tells you everything you need to know about her. Ask Michael anything time. <sighs> what did the kid do to provoke the monkey? <laughs> Ask Michael anything time. At CQG8606. Sean, but in November, grizzly bear or polar bear, which would you fear more and why? A polar bear. So, okay, so, like, I think I have this right that a polar bear is, like, the only bear that actually actively hunts human beings. Like, it actually goes after them. Like, grizzly bears still, like, they don't want to be near you, but if you, like, come upon one, they're going to eat you, right? Like, they're they're not going to, they're not going to just be like, oh, I don't want that. But grizzly bear, or uh, polar bears actually go after, they actually go after human beings. So, I'm going to go with a polar bear. At Marcullus... Mark Solace Chemist, Marcus Alchemius, dude, I am so sorry. I'm not. I'm not editing any of that. <laughs> I tried to read your handle, but Marcus Alchemius is better. Did you have a Nintendo or Sega growing up? I had a Nintendo. I had an SNES and an N64. I still have the N64. It is 25 years old. Works flawlessly. Take a hint. Microsoft and Sony. At WCBrady27, go Cougs. Favorite and least favorite candy. Also, what will your future dad tax be on candy? Favorite candy is dots. I love those things. I'm like one of very few people who do, and that's and that's totally fine. I totally get it. Like, I'm fine with that. I don't really like Tootsie Rolls very much. Not a big Tootsie Roll fan. Um, if I had to go with least favorite, though, candy corn is just bleh. Like, I'm, I'm all aboard the popular train there. Uh, my future dad tax is going to be about a quarter of the candy because my waistline doesn't need it, but I'm also planning on doing what my dad did, which is taking a six-pack around the neighborhood and being a little bit warmer by the time, you know, you get home. At Totes McStose, Pumpkin Stose Latte, should the monkey replace Bevo as the Texas mascot? <laughs> oh, man. Yes. Somebody mentioned, uh, again, on social media, I don't remember where, I don't remember where, where Texas is. I think they're going to Iowa State. Like, you gotta make t-shirts, right? You gotta make monkey t-shirts if you're the student section. At Pretty Fair Beer, Pretty Fair Beer, best mixed drink for a sore throat. Bourbon with ice. Yeah, I like to mix my bourbon with ice. At J.A. Roberts, 1501, Ghostly Jessica, favorite fantasy books. Ooh, I am not much of a fantasy book person. I'm more of like a non-fiction sports person. I'm currently enjoying reading Roger Bennett's uh, autobiography about his uh, coming to America. So uh, so I'm enjoying that right now. But I'm not much of a fantasy uh, book reader. Um, I think, God, I'm like trying to think of one I even really read. I think I read, the, I read um, like The Hobbit back in the Oh, no, Hatchet. No, Hatchet's not really fantasy. I'll go with The Hobbit. I read that way back in the day. At nschulte 10 Nick, during Pac-12 Media Days, I heard Kyle Smith refer to the team as being long and athletic, and it gave me Ernie Kent PTSD. Should I be worried? No, you shouldn't be worried. No, because when because when um, when Kyle Smith says that, he actually means it, and, um, you know, like, they're, they are pretty long and athletic. 
Ernie was just feeding you a line of BS. That's 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 all that was because he needed to like, you know, basically pray that his job was still going to be there. Uh, at Sean P. Clemens, Sean Clemens, if you are Chun, do you do, do you back up the Brinks truck try and retain Kyle Smith? Or for a new head football coach. Well, they already retained Kyle Smith through 2027. I'm not sure actually how much they're paying him. They haven't released that contract. Um, I you still, I mean, you're gonna have to pay a new football coach, what, two and a half, maybe three million a year at least. Um, that's where you start. You're probably gonna get a Mountain West guy like Jay Norvell, like I want. So um that's probably where you start there. At G Foster Fit, Garrett Foster, with how awful UW looks by the eye test, how do you explain this? And this is a matchup predictor from ESPN. FPI, Washington with a 69% nice chance to win, 30% for Wazoo. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's that game, dude. Like, <laughs> like we're losing it until further notice. Like, that's just, that is how that works, period. At Mo Mongo Maria, Mongo Santa Maria, what is the minimum amount that Dickert would have to accomplish in his time as coach to deserve the full-time head coaching job at WSU? I mean, bare minimum, he's got to win three or four. I think remaining, uh, you need to win, you know, so four being a bowl game, um, I think bare, bare minimum, but even then Pat John's going to have to probably make a choice after the Apple cup. Um, I would say on the very outside shot, that this team gets to the PAC 12 championship game. You can't very well, obviously go looking for a coach before then. And then if they win it, I mean, <laughs> you can't really do anything but hire the guy, right? I mean, like you're kind of backed into a corner at that point. Cause you can't let the guy go who won the PAC 12 championship, right? Even if you don't know that he's going to be good long-term, like imagine being the athletic director at Wazoo that let the guy who won a PAC 12 championship go like imagine being that guy. So yeah. At 253Coog underscore 253Coog, if you could learn only one magic spell, but it can only do something mundane and boring, what would the spell do? Ooh. Can I say clean the whole house? Like, is that is that enough? Or does it need to be, like, something more specific? I'm going to go clean the house if we're just, like, you know, kind of, like, taking big generalities. But if I'm going, like, specific... I'm going to go do the dishes. Even though it's a task I don't mind doing, it just like frees me up for 20 minutes to watch more football. I'm going to go with that. Otherwise, clean the house. I hate cleaning the house. My wife does it. Like, you know, we do, we have like a list of chores that each of us does. She, she does it like she's fine doing it. I know she doesn't like doing it. I go with clean the house. Do that. We'll be back next week. Talk about that Arizona game. We'll see you guys in the Cook Center hour.